respected elders and brothers, dear mothers and sisters, dear listeners, students, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us this opportunity to sit in his house and, and to sit in the dars of dhikr and ilm. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make this gathering a source of great benefit to all of us here and all those who are listening afterwards. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every lesson of ours that we sit in any gathering of knowledge, may Allah Azza wa Jal make this what we hear, not a proof against us, but rather a proof for us on the day of judgment. And may He allow the speakers and the listeners to be inspired to practice on what they hear and to be able to propagate it to others. And along with that, uh, allow us to hear all those things that we are require in our life right now. Whatever type of difficulties, struggles, trials any one of us are going through, may Allah Azza wa Jal make this dars a means of removal of that and a means of answering questions, a means of removing of any and all uh, confusions from our minds. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, last week we uh, co- covered from Minha Kharaknaakum wa Fiha Nu'idukum. We covered the whole section of of the, uh, the burial, you know, what happens when the, where the body starts from, where it goes into, and when it comes back, that whole, the gist of life. And moving on with Musa and Fir'aun, Musa alayhi salam and Fir'aun's story, uh, where he was not happy with what Musa alayhi salam was presenting, and he was, he was thinking that the invitation of Musa alayhi salatu salam is going to be uh, an effort to take away power. He thought this was about power, power struggle. You know, and that's what the and we talked a lot about how we can learn lessons for today and how Batil works today. It's like out of the same playbook. Whatever Fir'aun used and whatever he said, whatever tactics, propaganda tactics he used at that time was the same things we hear today. And one of the things we highlighted was that he presented Musa salam and Harun salam as people who are trying to take away the amazing lifestyle that they had. And so the common word, they hate your freedoms, it comes from the same thing. Uh, you present, present whatever anyone does, anyone who speaks the truth or haq, if you, wanna, if you want to not engage with them and listen to the truth that they have, but rather uh, you know, block them off because of the fear that you're going to lose prominence and you're going to lose uh, you know, uh, love in your community or whatever, then you make them paint a picture as though they are evil people and that they hate you, and they, they want to ru- ruin your life. So everyone who listens to something like that, they get intimidated, they're like, oh really? They want, they're after us? Okay, then I guess I shouldn't like them. So I'm not gonna even listen to what they've got to say. So this is what Fir'aun and, uh, tried against Musa and Harun salam. So Allah Azza wa then mentions this story of how they came face to face, a time was appointed, they came face to face, and the Fir'aun uh, magicians told Musa salams that go ahead if you want to tr- tr- if you want to go first go first or you know choose and Musa salam said um, you go first and when they did we said that everything started moving around those ropes and those sticks began moving uh, through their sihr through their magic they made it seem to people that it was moving and I explained to you also there's different explanations of what happened uh, one is that the sihar was done on the eye so it makes it seem like that or they were actually just being quick and sharp with their hands that they took these sticks and they made it hollow and filled it with mercury and colorful colored the sticks with uh, colors of a snake and uh, when that mercury got heated up uh, it started flowing out and it seemed as though the snake was as though, as though it was a snake and it was slithering on the ground so they use some some fishy, ta- you know, tactics, magic tricks, 
what you what you uh, what you say, in order to, um, uh, you know, play around with the crowd. Musa alayhi salam fi nafsihi, he sensed some fear and explained that one fear is that the fear of a snake, but more importantly, what what ulama, some scholars have written here is the fear that people will fall into the fitna and start believing in the magic of the magicians of Fir'aun and will not even give a chance to listen to what Musa alayhi salam has to say and as a response to that. So the word awjasa comes. The word awjasa is one degree less than, uh, wa, uh, you know, wajis is less than hajis. Wajis is when you fear something, but the, the effects of it are not seen on your body. And hajis is, hajis is when you fear something and your pulse goes up, you know, your, 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 your face maybe turn white or pale, whatever, and you start, you, externally you start showing signs of fear. So, awjasa or wajis is one degree less when it's, it's a very less amount of fear. Awjasa fi nafsi, in himself he started fearing. Khifatan, a little bit. What was again the fear? The fear that if these people, what if they, they, they get so impressed by this and they don't give a chance to listen to what I've got to say? We told Musa salam, la takhaf, don't be afraid. Indeed, you will be the uppermost. Right? So, eventually. Batil is very famously Batil always um, you know it takes the first uh, step and it leads apparently leads becomes very big and Haq always quiet it quietly comes in not with a lot of fanfare not with a lot of noise and Batil has a lot of noise a lot of fanfare and this is mentioned in other places in the Quran as well Look at shaitan, right? Shaitan is your worst. What is he created from? Fire. And fire is always, you know, no matter how much you push the fire down, it goes up. And it comes within rage in the human being. Coming from mud, soil. Which one looks more exciting? Right? Does mud look more exciting or fire look more exciting? Which seems more powerful, mud or fire? But there's no profit from the jinns. There's no profit from anyone besides human beings. Human beings have been made khalifa on earth. Right? And that's what, her, you know, her, that's what stings the shaitan. Deep down he knows it. That although I seem powerful, and I look powerful, but the human being is way superior to me. And that's what really upsets him. It stings him. Instead of simply saying, okay, khalas, I'll follow the way of the prophets, and I'll also accept Islam. Sometimes, you know, the ego comes in. How many times happens to us or even our children? You, they know or we know we're doing something wrong. But the fact that we are proven wrong by someone who is not superior to us at work or someone who reports to us, that's a, that is what? That is a difficult pill to swallow. Your subordinate corrects you. Your child corrects you. Huh? The younger sibling correcting the older sibling. You know you're wrong. How many of us can say, you know what? You have a very valid point. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. That takes a level of humility to say that. And many people will outright don't have the humility. Very narcissistic. And so they will just completely deny anything anyone says to them. And they'll continue in the direction which they know very well is 100% wrong. Which they will be sad about it. Get the We'll see. What is suicide? Or what's anger? What's shooting up people? Mass you know, murders and double, double uh, you know, homicides. All this stuff that you're seeing. Many times people know exactly what they're doing is wrong. But it's in that rage or it's in that ego, battle of ego, that they just cave in. And they do something which they know later on definitely that they're going to uh, uh, feel bad about it. So we'll, we'll figure out when we get there. 
So ego, my beloved brothers, is a horrible thing. May Allah protect you and I from the evil of our nafs and the evil of our egos. Because this is so bad when you know something. The Quran says, They disobeyed, or rather they, they were in denial of the truth. What does istayqana, what word does this come from? Istayqana, from what? Yeah? From yaqeen, right? Istayqana, yaqeen is in there. That their nafs had yaqeen that this is the truth. But jahadu biha, they were absolutely rejecting of it. Why? Vulma wa'adua, out of oppressing themselves and out of animosity for the truth. Similarly, the Quran speaks about the people of the book, and especially the Yahud. Allah says, Ya'rifunahu kama ya'rifuna abna'ahum. They know the Prophet as good as someone knows his own son. And then the ulama say that, you know, a, a, a person has a relationship with the son. That lasts longer. The daughter may get married and leave, but the son is there with him. He knows the son really, really well. But that's why the Quran uses the word son, possibly, instead of the word daughter here. Because that is a relationship, especially in those days, between sons and fathers compared to sons and daughters, with all the jahiliyyah that was going on, with the, with the, uh, the you know, murder of daughters and so forth. So the relationship between father and son is special. And the Quran says, they know Rasulullah as good as you know your own sons, like the back of your hand. But they refuse to accept him. And that's again jealousy. That's an ego. Why is Nabi, why is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi not coming from the children of Ishaq Alayhi Salaam? Why is he coming from the children of Ismail Alayhi Salaam? Why? Why is he not from the Jewish, culturally, religious, uh, you know, uh, Jewish, and from the Jewish tribes, etc. SubhanAllah. So ego and nafs is horrible. This is what we're saying. It, it makes you blind to the truth. So the, the, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about this, that these people, you know, he, he, he was afraid, Musa was afraid what will happen when they see this sihr uh, and they'll see this, will they fall for it? So Allah Azza wa says, We told you not to be afraid, right? Indeed, you will succeed. I was saying that the truth, truth comes in stealthily, quietly, it doesn't make a big sound, and, but it, it goes far ahead. This is mentioned in Surah Ra'd. Allah Azza wa mentions regarding the um, the, the flood when, the, when, when you have a rain comes in And floods the rivers and so forth Allah Azza wa speaks about What floats on top Floats on top When after rain comes What happens? You got the, you got the, uh, the garbage The coke cans uh, The other plastic bags All these type of things These are things that float on the top And where do the gems lie? Where, where are the pearls? Pearls, you've never seen a pearl floating on top they go all the way into the bottom. The pearls, they are at the bottom while the garbage flows on top. Or you may call it foam, of, as and the Quran mentions the foam. That the foam, it seems so, like you have soap, soapy foam on top. It seems like, wow, look at how much white stuff is this. You put one hand over it, it's gone, nothing. That's how bottle is. It's got big fanfare, big name, but it's not long lasting. It, it has no basis, it's floating. Right, shaitan is the only reason that it's staying afloat. Otherwise, it's got no foundations. Subhanallah. There's no ethics, there's no morals, there's no value, there's no true muhabbat, there's no ikhlas. That's the key thing. Ikhlas is everything which others don't have. He's very famous statement. You know, 
in, is written in his books and when we went to go visit him, visit him three years ago he said the same thing when we visited him as well in Turkey a great scholar from Syria he said Ikhlas does wondrous things Ajeeb, what a this statement he has got like you know pages written on it sincerity does amazing wondrous things I mean when a person is sincere he's only one guy one lady one person but if you're sincere, you can achieve something that uh, a thousand can't achieve. You can achieve so many things without means, without even having the ability to speak properly. You could be mute or deaf or dumb, or you, or you could have you know, some physical, other type of physical disability. But because of ikhlas and sincerity, you'll be able to do the work which 10,000 strong won't be able to do. That's what it means. That if only we can get this dawla and this ni'mah al-uzma, the great blessing of ikhlas within ourselves, my beloved brothers and sisters, we will be flying way you know, above the space, not in the sky. What we'll be able to achieve is something great. This is what people who don't have iman lack. There's no ikhlas there. Because ikhlas is what for Allah, when you don't even understand who Allah is, you don't have tawheed, you don't have tawheed of that, tawheed of sifat, believing in one Allah, believing in Allah's all his traits, then where is ikhlas going to come in there? Ikhlas is something so uh, rare, the most rare gem of all. So, so civilizations that are based without ikhlas, cultures that don't have ikhlas in them, systems that don't have ikhlas with them, they may seem very pomp, you know, very, very powerful, full of pomp and show, but in reality they're hollow. As Allah Azza wa Jalla says, uh, you know, he says the, the, the disbelievers of the munafiqeen they look as though they are one big strong wall but in reality it's just like a wall waiting to be blown and it falls over there's no haqiqah for it this ayah here in surah Saf is speaking about the believers when they take a stand on the battlefield they are, th they are there like a very fortified wall. That's true. This, this ayah is speaking about the believers. But you see, for example, Allah Azza wa says, what I meant to say actually was ayah of Surah Hashar, not Surah Saf, where Allah subhanahu wa says, تَحْسَبُونَهُمْ um, You will regard them as جَمِيعًا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ شَتَّى You regard them as one entity. You regard them as one strong alliance. وَقُلُوبُهُمْ شَتَّى But their hearts are absolutely separated from one another why is that? that can happen within Muslims as well when there's no ikhlas that happens when you don't have ikhlas then you can have big numbers but they mean nothing because why? everyone is working toward ulterior own motives all alliances strategic alliances of the dunya what are they about? based on what they call what are they your, they, uh, you know personal interest the countries, they say we have alliance with Based on what? If they start losing out on that alliance, if there's a trade gap where they start losing money on it, more imports than exports, khalas, done. We have to rewrite it or end that alliance. If we're giving more than we're taking, stop it. What does that tell you? There's no ikhlas in any of this. It's all about me, myself, and I, my country, my power, not even my country, my votes. Who cares about the country? No one does, unfortunately, right? It's just about my power, my own dhati power. Subhanallah. So that is a khulasa of alliances in the world. Is that it, they are all waiting to be broken. The only thing that cannot be broken 
is those friendships, those relationships that are based on ikhlas. That's why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, The most beloved action in the sight of Allah is love for one another for the sake of Allah. When we have ikhlas in our relationships, that's one of the most amazing, strongest things we can imagine. And you can conquer whatever you want. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to taste the sweetness of ikhlas and allow us to retain ikhlas till our last breath. I mean, Rabbil Alameen. So when Musa salam, Allah told him, don't be worried, you will be the uppermost. I want us to understand what was happening here. Allah was telling Musa salam, you are with the truth. No one will be able to harm you. As long as you are with the truth, no one will be able to harm you. Allah says in Surah Yusuf, one of the most beautiful ayats of Surah Yusuf, which wraps up the whole story in one way. Our Ustad would say, this is the khulasa of the whole Surah Yusuf. What is that? Wallahu ghalibun ala amri. Wallahu ghalibun ala amri. Walakin akthar nasi la yalamun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful in fulfilling His decisions in His affairs. However, most people are unaware. Most people are unaware that Allah always gets what He wants. There's no such thing as sometimes we'll see or sometimes not. Always, whenever Allah wants to do something, as they say, Allah's irada is wujud. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply intends it, it happens. It's That's in everything. As soon as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have to say kun, be and abis. That's why there's one dua, Ya man amruhu al kafi wa noon. Oh, the one whose command is between kaf and noon. What is kaf and noon? Kun. So the, his, his command is between kaf and noon, meaning you don't need to say kun. He doesn't need to say kun for something to happen. His simple irada and will for something means it happens, comes into existence. So when a person is on that level, connected with Allah Azza wa Jal, he, you realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always gets his way. He will always succeed. But most people unfortunately, most people of the dunya, majority of the dunya doesn't know this and majority of the dunya will never know this. Majority of the dunya will be oblivious of this. They think we run the world. We control, we call the shots. And this keep on we, we, I, 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 until you die. And you'll realize subhanAllah it's too late now. Allah Azza wa Jalla says in another place, Allah will never allow the disbelievers to have an upper hand over the believers. Right? Then Allah Azza wa Jal says, The good result, the good ending is for the believers. Very nice point here. As, as, as Shaykh mentions, الْأَمُرُ تَدُورُ وَتَدُورُ حَتَّى The train keeps on moving. Like you have, you know, the train moving, moving. Where's it going to stop? Where's it going to stop? So halat keep on changing. Every day you're going through a roller coaster in your life. All of us are. Non-stop things are happening. Changes are happening. But at the end, when will, where does this train stop? The train stops with the muttaqeen. The final stop, you're like, what's gonna, where's it gonna, where's it gonna end? It will end with having the result, the muttaqeen will be on the top. You flip, you keep on flipping a coin. So which direction is this gonna go? You do it a hundred or a thousand or a million times. Eventually, that side of the coin that's got the muttaqeen will be on top. That's a very nice way of understanding this. The, Today you may not seem as muttaqeen winning. Tomorrow you may even you might not see muttaqeen winning. The day after also you might not see. But the end aqiba means the, the end result, the last day. Who's gonna have the last laugh? The muttaqeen will have the last laugh. The mu'minin will have the last laugh. The people of Haq will have the last laugh. And that's the Quran. Literally, I'm not just giving a figure of speech. This is actually mentioned in the Quran in Surah Mutafifin. Fal yawm al-ladina amanu min al-kuffari yabhakun al-araiki yamdurun. 
Allah Azza wa says, today, the day has come. Today the believers will be sitting on thrones, looking at the disbelievers, laughing at them. They'll be sitting on their thrones, laughing and looking at the disbelievers as being dragged into hellfire. That have the disbelievers been given anything besides what they deserved? You did you sow you sowed the seeds of this. You made fun of the people of Haq. You attacked the people of the Haq and you thought you're 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 gonna have the last laugh. Well, guess what? Today you get what you deserve. SubhanAllah. Genuinely, straight from Surah Mutafifin, the Quran is saying the last laugh will be for the believers. But we they don't have to hear this lesson. We as Muslims and the people who Allah has given us them the truth need to be reminded of this message every day. Stop getting affected by what you see outside. Stop getting impressed by what you see outside. Stop getting impressed by what you read on the newspaper and what you read online. Stand with the truth all the time. And no matter how many people say what they say, you will see the truth will eventually will always succeed. So Allah Azza says, وَمَا أُتِيتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Whatever you've been given in this world, فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا All it is, it's, it's just enjoyment of this worldly life. Whatever you've been given is just things to enjoy in this worldly life. And it's the beauty of this world. And whatever Allah has with Him, خَيْرٌ is far superior and far better. In, what is khayrun? Far superior. Meaning what Allah promised you is far superior than what the dunya promises you. And it's much longer lasting than what the dunya promises you because every paycheck will come to an end. Every luxurious food that costs you $500 or $1,000, no matter what it is, it will come to an end. Every single most luxurious hotel room, the night will end. Whatever you look in this dunya, every blessing must end. However, what blessings Allah has will never end. Do you not understand? Do you not comprehend? So this is what the message of قُلْنَا لَا تَخَفْ means. Don't be afraid, you're going to always win. وَأَلْقِمَا فِي يَمِينِكَ Throw to the ground what is in your right hand. Ajib. تَلْقَفْ مَا صَنَعُوا It shall then swallow up whatever they have wrought, whatever they have made up. إِنَّمَا صَنَعُوا كَيْتْ سَاحِرْ For what they have wrought is but the scheme of a sorcerer, and never shall the sorcerer succeed wherever he may go. This is a very amazing, powerful ayah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَلْقِمَا فِي يَمِينِكَ Oh Musa! Now it's your turn. Allah Azza wa is not just the referee. Allah is also the coach. Allahu Akbar. Right? How can you win a game in which Allah is the referee and the coach? Seriously. Against the Nabi. So, you know, they were, they were outnumbered. They have Allah on that side. Allah is the one who's giving the next move. Come on, do this, do this. Oh Musa, alqima fi yaminik. Throw what's in your right hand. Now Allah Azza wa could have simply said, by throw your staff. Why didn't he say that? He threw his staff. But Allah did not say, Throw your staff. He said, it's throw whatever is in your hand. Because what in your right hand is not a staff. What is in your right hand is what Allah wants it to be. This is a very powerful lesson. That what's in your right hand is what Allah wants it to be. Such an important lesson of, of, of this surah and the story of Musa and Fir'aun. That every single thing you and I own is what Allah wants it to be, not what you think it to be. So you say, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy, I just got a new, new home, I got a new car, I got a new business, I got a new fulan. So you think all of these are what? Asbab and means automatically are bringing happiness to your life. How many times has been that as soon as a person moved into a house, musibah upon musibah has come his way. Since he moved into the home, fights have broken out. Since he moved to the home, people start falling all over. It's hurting themselves, injuring themselves. All kinds of mas- masaib, difficulties are happening. People getting bad dreams. It happens. Yes. 
A person, person gets into a car, as soon as I got a car and bought a brand new car, subhanAllah, now after that, almost had three near-miss accidents or maybe an accident itself. And now so many bad things are happening. These are not, this is not just your figment of your imagination. Things like this do happen. You don't know what's khair, is what I'm trying to tell you. As soon as a person moves into or buys a new home or a new store or new this, that, we cannot automatically say, this got to be success for me. It is what Allah wants it to be. On the other hand, a person, his marriage breaks. It's very sad. And then a person loses his business. Ya Allah, loses his job. Now you think, this is the worst possible thing that could have happened to me. But in reality, this person was very far away from the deen. And this situation of losing his business, losing his spouse or her spouse, or some other thing, it brings such a change in them that they get wilaya and friendship of Allah that they never had before. SubhanAllah, I myself witnessed this so many times in my travels and here and other places as well. People come up to me and then they'll just share their story within 30 seconds. Like, man, I was totally messed up. You would never even see me a mile away from a masjid. But here I don't miss a single salah. And I'm sitting right in front of every program. But what happened? Well, I lost my job. I lost my spouse. I did this. I did that. And that was the biggest blessing of Allah. Where you go? So issues and difficulties in life do not necessarily mean punishment and, and, and achievements and acquiring new things and material things of this world do not necessarily mean blessings. What, what, what it is what Allah wants it to be. So someone who doesn't have children, you may think that subhanAllah is the biggest musibah, but actually it might be the biggest blessing. Because you have no idea if the child that was born may have been born to become a, a, a very difficult child, very difficult to handle. Maybe you have born with very difficult circumstances. Or physical circumstances or adab meaning be, be, uh, be, be disobedient subhanallah if you look at the people who are being tested with extremely disobedient children uh, and, and, and who are leaving the fold of Islam and who are doing it out of spite for the parents who would want to have a child? seriously if you see that you say Allah may Allah protect us like that right? this is one of the duas Allah Allah I seek refuge in you from a child that becomes a test for me Right? I seek refuge in you from a child that becomes a test for me. And I seek refuge in you from a, uh, from a spouse that makes me uh, older before old age. Makes me old before old age. SubhanAllah. Right? I seek refuge in you because what? Stress. If you get the wrong spouse, you get stressed out. And you lose years very quickly. And you grow white hair very quickly. So this is SubhanAllah. It's amazing how, what type of du'as people want to get married or people want to have children. But ask for a right spouse, not just anyone. And don't ask just for children, ask for righteous, healthy, pious children that will be a source of coolness of your eyes, not the opposite. Then, you know, then, the, then it's a blessing. So what is this ayah telling us? That your means of security are not what they mean, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to make a means of protection. Your gun that you have to protect yourself may actually may become the means of harming yourself or your child. And we see this in the news. Yeah? Seatbelt. It saves, supposed to save. But there are instances you read about that if their seatbelt was there, the person would have burned to death. Yeah? He didn't have it. Luckily, on that car accident, he wasn't wearing. Alhamdulillah, he rolled out to safety and the car burst into flames. It happens. So safety, this is going to help us as long as Allah makes it a source of benefit. Right? You have a, a window bars to protect from people intruding. For example, in certain parts of the world. But the window bar itself that's supposed to protect you, may Allah forbid, may become a means of the whole family or the people, dwellers of the home dying if the house catches on fire and they can't leave the, through the windows. Think about that. So whatever seems to be the means of safety, it itself is not a means of safety unless Allah wills it to be. And whatever it means to be a, a means of destruction and harm is not what it is unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to be. 
This is the khulas of this. This very important aqidah. That everything I have, that any effect it gives me, it's, it's giving me that effect because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to give that. So medication by itself can give me no benefit. But rather I may say, medication can actually harm me. Medication may actually end up taking my life earlier. Or apparently earlier. Medication may itself do all kinds of things. Unless Allah wants it to be the means of shifa. That's why we cannot blindly say, you know, just take medication. At least say bismillah. At least read bismillahilladhi In the name of Allah, nothing can harm me. In the world, as long as I take his name. Recite this dua, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, beloved brothers and sisters, every single time you take medication. You're taking mind altering medication, you're taking body altering medicines. These medicines are all kinds of chemicals that we're throwing into our body, not natural. Now, this is a pretty crazy stuff what you're doing with your body. You're playing, you're not playing with your, you know, the, 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 with your car here. You're not playing with your computer at home, you're playing with your whole human body. Amana from Allah. So at the very least, we should recite a dua that Ya Allah protect me from any. Why is there such level of yaqeen? This is gonna for sure, you know, you're like you rather eat a galab jamu, you know. <laughs> but if you take, you know what's going on there. What we have no idea what's inside these things. Take, recite the dua, whether it's galab jamu or medication. Recite the dua, and if, whether it's sweets from your store, right? Recite the dua every time we eat, and maybe when we sit down to eat breakfast and lunch, we recite duas. But usually in medication we may not. That's why I'm reminding you. And especially don't just recite Bismillah. What dua we should recite? Bismillahilladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fil sama' wa huwa samiyul alim. Three times Rasulullah told us anyone who recites it in the morning and evening, Allah will protect him from any evil. So similarly, whenever we are reciting this, whenever we're eating also, recite this. So that's the first point. That the, the steak, the stick is a snake and a snake is a stick. And anything else you want it to be, it's what Allah wants it to be. That's all. Number two, when you throw it, what will happen? Talqaf, it shall swallow up. That's not what usually happens. But guess what? This will happen. This snake will become a real snake. Because what they did is fake. Those are not real snakes. And so this is where you understand the difference between a mu'jiza and a sihr. The mu'jiza is real, and sihr is not real. Sihr is a, a playing with the eyes. If throwing, if playing on your uh, mentality, your vision, playing your ability to see, like messing around with that. Messing around with what you, your senses. And mu'ajiza and miracle is not messing around with anything. It's actually what we call qalbul haqiqa. Qalbul haqiqa. Right? What is qalbul haqiqa means? To change the reality. Sihar actually changes the reality. I'm sorry. Mu'ajizah actually changes the reality of things. When, when, Allah, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa day of judgment has come near and the moon has split. That was not a, 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 a magic show. That was not playing with the eyes of the people. The moon actually split. Every miracle of Rasulullah sallallahu or the matter, every miracle of the previous prophets was not playing with the minds of the people. It was not hypnosis, basically. It was in reality something real happening. All they have done, these guys, these, these magicians, is just scheming. They're scheming. And that's what sorcerers do. They plot and they scheme. And then eventually, wherever a sorcerer and a magician goes, he will never succeed. What does this mean? 
this is one of the ayats that the, uh, are, are very powerful to break sihr. I'm sure you heard of this. This ayah is very powerful to be recited when you're trying to break and combat sihr. And the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, just wrapped them up and threw it in the garbage. That's what he said. You and all your magical powers are nothing. You're just attempting to plot and plan. You're making an effort. But remember, you will never succeed. Can they harm? Can, can magicians cause harm in this world? Yes, they can. But the, who's going to have the last laugh? Not the magician. The last laugh are going to be, be the people of the truth. It's like, it's like a murderer or a, uh, any other uh, abuser out there who's trying to harm people, oppressor. Can he cause harm? Yes, he can. But will he, falah, will he be successful in the long run? No, he won't. Eventually, you'll catch up to him. So, sihr is one of those major sins which makes a person, if a person goes to a sahir and employs a sahir and utilizes all that, then this is an act of kufr. His salah is not accepted for days. And if he believes in that stuff or engages in it, then that's, and as I said, it's not just a major sin, it's kufr. Because in order to commit sihr, what do you have to do? Basically, let me give you in a very simple, easy nutshell is you have to basically pledge allegiance to Iblis. Okay, that's what it is. Allah Azza wa has given Iblis in this world a lot of powers. From amongst those Aji powers is that he can, he's continuously crawling and moving around our body. He's flowing through you. His army flows through us like blood flows through. We can't do that to anyone else. Shaitan can do it to us. We can't flow into Shaitan's blood, but Shaitan can do it to us. We all have a qareen. We all have this, you know, this, this, this shaitan that's stuck with us. We can't separate, separate it. It's always with us, even in the masjid, wherever we are. That internal shaitan. One is the external ones. One is the thing that's stuck with us all the time. Injecting us with wasawis and things. So Allah Azza wa has given shaitan a lot of deal. Chutti. Given options to commit evil. Like Allah Azza wa has given the people of batil from the past and today, more arms, more power, more wealth than the people of Haq. Isn't that right? Throughout, throughout the ages, the people of Batil have usually more resources than the people of Haq. That's how the world runs. Because Allah wants it to be an imtihan and challenge for the people of the truth. As well as an imtihan for the people of falsehood. To see, are you going to fall into sin with all the power I've given you? Are you going to allow this to make you arrogant? Or are you going to be humbled with the power that I've given you? And not use it for the wrong reasons. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given people of Batil more power, apparently. And from um, who's the leader of the people of Batil? Shaitan. So he's given all kinds of crazy things. Indeed, he and his tribe see you while you can't see them. What else you want? They're in your home. They're around you right now. We can't see them. So they have all these upper hands that Allah has apparent upper hands that they have given, been given. Past, present, future. All the same. Almost, I won't say all the same, but they have much more foresight than humans. They look at a child and they'll realize, oh, we can sense. I mean, we, you know, if you have an expert athlete who's a coach for 30 years, he sees a kid walking in, a seven-year-old walking into his basketball or soccer field. He looks at him, he's like, ah, that kid, from the 30 that are there, I want this one. You're right? He's been dealing with this sport for 30 years. When a kid walks in, he can immediately tell which one's got high potential. There's a human being, we can see that within each other. 
So Iblis has been at this for billions and hundreds of millions of years. So he can see very early on who's got a lot of potential to cause damage to his armies. And that's why he makes them his focus. He sees people who are very intelligent, who have, a, who, who have within them concern of deen. He sees within people that, who are, of course, easy targets too, who have a huge nafs and they fall for it all the time. He senses things and says, okay, this guy, this guy, guy, we gotta start focusing on these people. That's his business. That's what he does. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him this power and then Allah has made it clear. There's two armies here. There's two sides, two teams. One team A and team B. Team A is called the team of Rahman. Team B is called the team of Shaitan. And this is how it's played out. Ma'arika bayn al-haqqi wal-batil. The battle between the truth and falsehood. Obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like I said, is a referee, right? He's not putting his full force behind, behind there to say, khalas, you know what? Because if he comes, there's, there's no competition. If he gets into the playing field, then there's no competition. So he created A and B, and he will ensure A will succeed, but he allows B to put full effort until A thinks that, oh my God, we're going to lose. You guys understand what I'm saying? So now, Allah just told the humans, you can have, you have two parties. One is straight from the Quran, Surah Mujadala. Hezbollah and Hezbollah Shaitan. You've got two armies, you choose whatever you want. So there are certain people who go to people of Batil and Kufr and to Shayateen. Magicians are like the Shayateen on earth. And go to them and say, you know what, we want to employ you. Or we want to become a magician. And so part of the rituals, like if someone comes in to study the deen or comes to, oh, Shaykh, I want to change my life. What do you say? Bye, go do wudu first. Go do ghusl first. Go do wudu first. Change your clothes. When someone accepts Islam, change your clothes. Take a nice bath. Take a nice shower. Put on some nice clothing. Itar, deodorant. Brush your teeth. Do miswak. Look presentable. Take the shahada. It's all a purity, purity, purity. Okay, you purified external. Now I gotta purify external. I'm sorry, you purify the external, purify internal. And after every few hours, you gotta do fresh wudu for salah. And uh, you know, purify your thoughts, purify your eyes, purify your ears, purify your whole mind through your tears. Shed nice hot tears to clean your eyes and your mind. There's so much emphasis on purity. In Allah, you Allah loves those who repent to Him immensely, and Allah loves those who, who try to attain a lot of purity, multiple layers of purity. So Islam is based on purity of thought, purity of heart, purity of, bo- of body. iman. Right? So this is a huge part of Iman. While Kufr is based on Najasa, evil, filth, dirt, everything about it is Kufr is, is Najasa. Innamal mushrikuna najas. Mushrikuna najas, what does that mean? Even if they come out of the shower, they're still najas. Why? Because the aqidah is najas. The aqidah the, the is najas. So they're always surrounded by shayateen. They don't need to do anything different. The, the fact that you put, a person puts his head down to a, 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 any, anything besides Allah will automatically attract the shayateen around them. So what happens is when a person goes to these magicians, he's basically make, getting into a pact. Obviously, some of the youth here know that many of the artists today, they openly speak about this in their lyrics of their songs, of, of making a pact with the devil. You all know this. And many of these songs are written or when they're high, when they're, when they're on drugs, when they're hallucinating. And they talk about who's inspiring them. It's crazy. Whoever reads the lyrics and still listens to it, may Allah guide them. It's crazy. How could you ever listen to this filth? Once you read these lyrics, they say this is nothing but what we call, you know, you say divinely inspired. This is 100% Iblisi inspired. That's all it is. These artists, 
that are attracting more, they have more Twitter and Instagram followers than anyone else in the world. Isn't that right? There's no prime minister, president of the world that has that much followers as the artist. 400 million, 500 million, a billion. There's no one like this. They've got the stage. They've got the control of the crowd. It's all, that's how it's supposed to be. Because these are pure, solid agents of shaitan. They are working hand in hand to mislead the people. And so their lyrics also are, are filled with such filth where they openly speak about it. I've had people who made toba from, from clubs, like, uh, you know, these raves and whatnot, and who've shared with me what used to happen all night. And they would say, once you take those drugs and, you're do, and, you, and, and, and the, the, the mind-altering drugs, etc., and they're drinking and so forth, Allah protect us all from such filth, subhanAllah. Muslims, Muslims unfortunately involved huge numbers and now happening and being hosted where? In the Muslim countries. Largest of these events. May Allah protect us all. Subhanallah, may Allah guide us and our, our leaders. Amin rabbil alameen. So what he, would he say? He said, when I used to take that drug for 9 to 12 hours, non-stop dancing, 12 hours. How do you physically do something like that? How do you, how do you dance for 9 hours, right? Non-stop. What he said was that, subhanAllah, like literally we would see fire on the club. And you would actually see a, a, like a, a horned, a two, you know, two-horned guy, animal, at, literally at the gates of hell. And... This dis, the, the disc jockey who was controlling the music would be literally yani through just what, based on the music what he's playing would be seeing different things and it was absolute like selling your soul to the devil the whole night and re, reaffirming this throughout like ibad like you do qiyamul layl in the masjid selling your soul to Allah and reaffirming it every second crying this is what's happening in the nightclubs so once a person goes there subhanallah it's very hard to get him out of that so this so you, you may wonder how does a magician do his things? How does someone do sihr? Is there reality to it? And I'm trying to say, yes, there is. The reality is, just like Allah has given shaitan the ability to do crazy things that you and I can't do. I can't come and affect the way you think right now. I can speak, but I can't get into your brain. When you go home, I can't be getting into your, in, into your head there. Shaitan is allowed to do that. He can't force us, but he can really push us. All of a sudden make you angry. All of a sudden make you happy. I can't do that. Shaitan can do all those things. You can't do that to me, I can't do that to you. But Shaitan has been given the ability to do these things. That's the fitna for human beings. So similarly, sihr is basically Shaitan being utilized to do things. So you basically, an individual goes to a magician or, or a magician goes to a, 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 a devil and says, you know what? I am ready to basically make ibadah for you as long as you take care of my needs. Like we tell, Ya Allah, I'll be yours, you take care of my needs. So these people go to the devil or the representatives of shaitan and say, we are ready to do najasa. So if you read the, the, the chronicles of these people, of what is required to go through sihar, crazy things, which is just the, whatever, th think about the most filthy thing in the world. That's what they have to do. Most, the most, the, the most abnormable and most, dis, dis, you know, things you can't even say, the level of disrespect to the Qur'an that must be done. How, what they must do with the Qur'an, masahif. Right, what they must be doing with uh, uh, the name of Allah. What they have to do with anything that stands for Allah Azawajal. How they have to desecrate it again and again and again. And to basically, because you're team A and TB. What, ha what happens when you, when you become a POW to the other side? Right, when, the, when the prisoner of war, you, or you defect to another country. Huh? They're not going to just let you say, get off because well, you might be a spy. So you have to prove your allegiance to this side. And you have to prove your bara'an that you have absolutely nothing to do with the other side. Is that right? When, when a person gets, uh, when a, let's say a person defects from one army and comes to the other, they're not going to just say, come on over. Okay, prove it to us that you're not a spy for them. 
That's what you have to do. You can't just simply say, I'm, I'm shifting over from one to the other. So that's why Iblis wants to know that you don't have a shred of Iman. Before he allows you to join his army, he says, I have to make sure you have not a single shred of Iman. Whatever he has from that was passed down from your parents or whatever, you gotta throw it all out, throw it all out, throw it all out, until you prove that your heart is absolutely got nothing left of Iman in there. Alright, khalas. Now what? You worship me and I'll take care of your needs. That's how it works. So you say, well, how is that possible? Like, well, in the dunya, they can't, isn't doctor, lawyer, engineer, uh, builder, uh, electrician doing things? Allah is doing, but Allah has allowed them to do things. Similarly, Allah has allowed shaitan to do things. That's all it is. Allah allows shaitan to then come up with ways to attack someone, to kill someone, hmm? to cause someone d- diseases, to cause someone sickness, to cause some, uh, a husband or wife to fight, uh, to break their marriage, to cause someone to uh, love a, a disbeliever. Ajeeb, ajeeb things. To cause, where do you see this same gender interaction and love that's happening? What is that? As one of, some of the ulama have mentioned explanation of it, very ajeeb explanation, that this is actually shayateen on both of them. And it's not the human being liking another human, it's a shayateen, one male and female that's attracted to one another. And they're utilizing this inner dimension of attraction of one male and female. Allahu alam, Allah knows best. This is not something mentioned in Quran and Hadith. This is something through observation and experience that some people have shared with me. That a male and a female shaitan, that they're attracted to one another and that attraction forces the ones who they have possessed to be attracted to one another. That, that kind of makes sense. That within three decades, four decades, how we had less than 1% of same gender uh, you know, attraction in this country or, or who ascribed themselves to that. And now we're at a 23 or 24% within the past three decades. How does that happen? How does something move away from being a psychological disorder in the 70s all the way to be, you know, if you say anything, you get canceled? How does that happen? Right? So there's some very big, massive play of shaitan happening. And that we can agree. Shaitan is playing his role. So I want, you, when I want you to understand A magician can never be successful This means aqiba and result The magician will never succeed When it comes to the harm that he can cause in this dunya there's nothing, It doesn't go against the verse of the Quran Just like a murderer or a, a tyrant can cause harm But eventually he'll have to face the justice of Allah So a magician can cause all sorts of harms Through utilizing the evil effects of shaitan And the powers that Allah has given shaitan What is it? What is, um, what is Dajjal? Dajjal is the biggest magician the world has ever seen. Remember that. When you read the hadiths about Dajjal in various uh, uh, hadith and the stories of it, you realize that he's going to be using next level of unbelievable magic. And what does that magic employ? Shayateen. Shayateen. To make something come to life. Let's say he kills someone and makes it come back to life. How does that? He doesn't make him come back to life. Of course not. He makes a shaitan who looks 100% like him come back to life. That's what it is. How hard is that? That can even happen right now. A shaitan can look like you and I, walk around. So you kill someone, and then another shaitan look like me, walking around. It's like, oh, what happened? That's exactly what he's going to be doing. I know I'm simplifying it, but the people who are going to be watching it, they're not going to think about all this, what I'm saying. They're not going to realize it. That this is just a big deception. And they will actually fall for it. So, if you understand, subhanAllah, Islamic explanation for all these things, it's, it's you lead such a peaceful life. Right? Because you haven't, mashallah, that's why I keep on saying, I love this deen. That there's an explanation for everything. There's, seriously, there's an explanation. There's no such thing as unexplained this thing or that thing. We have, alhamdulillah, explanation of everything. A role of shaitan, the role of nafs, the role of human being, the role of jinn, everything so nicely. And at the end, it's all well-placed, well-balanced. And the, they're all, at the end of the day, puppets. They're all, they're all trying what they can. But the one, the one who controls the entire world is Allah Azza wa Jal. And so that's reaffirmed. That no matter how powerful Iblis is, 
and he thinks he's doing, but he himself knows it better than anyone else, that he is going to suffer in hell forever, forever, the worst punishment that anyone has ever gone. He knows that. He knows that. SubhanAllah. But it's the ego that I told you comes in. He says, nope. Why should I bow down now? Why? So nothing can save you and I from Iblis plotting and planning. Nothing can save you and I from Dajjal and his plotting and planning. Nothing can save you and I from Sihar and all this plotting and planning except for Allah's mercy. That is why every single day we need to be asking Allah Iblis Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from Iblis and his army. Allah Dajjal. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the fitna and the test of Masih al-Dajjal. Right? And reading every single day, morning and evening. All of these ayat in the morning and evening du'as, we have to recite these for the protection from all of this evil. Because we don't see it. We don't understand how it works. You know, and people say, oh, how can something that you don't see not harm you? Hazrat, COVID, what's COVID, huh? What's all the diseases? What's all the diseases in the world? We have a disease expert here sitting with us. He'll tell you all the diseases of the world. What, can you see these things? Like you and I with a with blind eye, just with a with 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 naked eye? No. But they're killing people apparently. So why is it when it comes to these type of things, say, oh, if I don't see it, I won't believe it. What nonsense is that? That skepticism is what he pries upon. That skepticism in him, belief in him, as they say, the biggest trick the devil played upon us is to make us believe that he doesn't exist. That's very powerful. Because that's exactly how he's attacking us every single day. And that's exactly how Dajjal will attack us too. Because no one is going to be thinking that this is one big magic show happening. I don't believe in this. Allah is the controller of all of this. That's why reflecting on these verses of the Quran is so important. All he's doing is just plotting and planning a magician. And a magician will, at the end of the day, never be successful. What will be successful? Mu'ajizat, karamat, miracles of prophets, miracles of believers that's what's going to be successful Allah did not say Allah did not say they all went into prostration they were forced they were made to fall over they fell to the ground passive word we don't even know who did it he's like out of nowhere out of nowhere you don't even know who pushed them they were pushed into sajda what pushed them into sajda? It's the power of the mu'jizah. It's the power of truth. That the people who were the, the leaders of falsehood, but they were sincere. They were just employees of Firaun. They were good people, but they were in the wrong company. When they saw truth, they said, that's it. The power of truth is so strong that if, you, if, you, if Hidayah is written for you, it won't even take a second for you to fall to the ground. What an amazing description of that scene. Allah did not say sajadu That they, they, went, they prostrated Allah says they fell to the ground in prostration In a moment when As soon as they saw that Musa salam's snake Stick turned into a snake And it started eating up They are experts of the trade And they know what magic is and what magic isn't And they realize that this cannot be magic Because what we do is fake And this is the truth What do we learn from here? So many things to learn from here One thing is that you and I see the signs of Allah every day. We are not magicians of Fir'aun. We are Muslims. We are the reciters of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. When was the last time we fell into sajda out of shukr and say, Ya Allah, Anta al-haq wa wa'aduka haq wa liqa'uka haq. Oh Allah, you are the ultimate truth. Meeting you is the ultimate truth. 
Your promises are true. Jannah is true. Falsehood, is, uh, uh, Jahannam is true. Meeting you is true. The prophets are true. Muhammad sallallahu is the true. From this, this yaqeen from the heart pouring out, that Ya Allah, I just saw the greatest miracle today. Done. I'm going to stop leading a life of my nafs and fall into sujood. How many times you and I have seen signs? Every child that's born in a hospital or at home. Every single child that starts learning how to walk. Every single child that starts learning how to talk. Every single, every single meal that you prepare, and that you are fed, every single meal, wallahi, is a miracle. If you start thinking about the components, where from where Allah has brought it all together, it's, it's unbelievable how many things have come together for that meal. My beloved friends, every time we use a restroom, every single time we drink a, a glass of water, every single time we go to bed and fall asleep, every single time we wake up and we are refreshed, all of these are miracles. And the only reason we have these massive amounts of this multi-trillion dollar medical system in the world with the hundreds and thousands of doctors and specialists and nurses. All of these billions of dollars are being spent and hundreds of millions of medical professionals, nurses and, and physicians and lab techs and whatnot working on this one human being. One human being. This one human being, if this is not the greatest sign of the existence of Allah, then we don't know. That you spend 20 years Focusing uh, not on the eye, on a portion, one-tenth of an inch of an eye. Another person is focusing on one-tenth of an inch of another portion of the body. How, to what depth that subhanAllah, this body is so intricate that one millionth of an inch change happens, the whole body falls, it falls out of order. One small change in the, in, in the chemical balance, one small change in some cellular behavior, khalas, one small... Uh, apparently mix up or mess up in a DNA done what is this telling us? that a healthy human being or even a sick human being regard both of them are the ultimate sign of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yet this human being today this Muslim unfortunately after being given la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah still wants to lead a life following the nafs still wants to lead a life of just do it instead of saying you know what I'm done I'm done following my nafs. Let me fall into sujood because I've just seen a miracle. Allah shows you and I miracles every single day. Look at these magicians. You and I have never practiced sorcery. You and I have never been, you know, this level of kufr and shirk. You and I have never stood up against the truth like this. But look instantaneously when the hearts changed. How when they saw the truth, they gave up. Because they were not following the nafs. They were doing their job. And they said, you know what? Forget this. We see the truth, let's leave our job and follow the truth. Beloved friends, we have to make this commitment today that we will not turn a blind eye to Allah's signs. Every single day that He shows us. And instead we should ask Allah, Ya Allah, allow me to clearly see every sign that's in front of me. And allow me to not turn my back to it. As Allah says, How many signs there are? How many signs are in the heavens and the earth? That you, that these individuals, they pass right by it while they're looking the other way. Every canyon, every river, every lake, every mountain range, every sunrise, every sunset, every single bouquet of flowers, every rose garden, and subhanAllah, every colony of ants. All of these are great signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Enough for anyone to accept Islam. Enough for anyone to say, I will stop leading a life of following my desires, and I will fall into sujood in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's where, this is where the lesson is for us That recognize the truth Another beautiful lesson we learn from here is when, the, when we are an expert about something When we are expert of something Sometimes hidayah comes through that direction Meaning, 
someone who's an expert of medicine, he may look at the verses of the Quran that deal with the human anatomy, the human embryology, and that might hit his heart. Someone who's dealing with physics, he may re- or he may re- deal with astronomy. He will look at verses of the Quran where th- things are alluded to this, and that may be the means of his hidayah. Someone on the other hand is fo- is focusing on weather patterns or a meteorologist, and he focuses on the the uh, the uh, water cycle of the Quran and other aspects that the Quran speaks about weather, and he will say this is it, this is haq. So this is the beauty of the Quran, the beauty of the deen, that if you are an expert on something, why don't you go research about that, what the Quran has to say. And if you are looking for the truth, you'll find it. I want to say something here, that it boils down to looking, on the, looking for the truth. If any Muslim or non-Muslim, if you look for the truth, you'll find it. There was a, I don't know if I shared this last week or not, maybe, I don't remember. I was traveling, in one of the cities and <clears throat> there was a brother Muslim brother who, bought a, who brought a non-Muslim friend to the uh, talk and he had told me that he's been working on this non-Muslim friend for some time but you know he still always got more questions and more questions after the talk finished we had one-on-one sessions and subhanAllah we sat down and he, you know, he had questions from my talk and general questions five, six questions Alhamdulillah with Allah's grace and Allah's father I kept on answering and he kept on smiling he's like oh my god this is just amazing this is just amazing this is I never thought an answer would like this would come in. This is, this is very heartwarming and so, so forth. So after six, seven answers, I told him, anything else, I have to go to my next program. So he says that, uh, nah. I said, listen, you can, we can go on till Fajr here asking questions. But the thing is, Iman is not about getting your questions answered. You can ask until you say, bus 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 50, however. Uh, you cannot just keep it endless. You have to now start asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put nur of Iman in your heart. It's like a light being switched on. When the light switches on, automatically your questions will be gone. And if you just go sit there studying Islam from an academic pers- perspective, whole life will be spent, you won't get hidayah. Look at all the people in university who are teaching Islam or who study in Islamic studies, who are running Islamic studies departments. 40, 60 years have been sitting there. They have not gotten a chance to do one such dayah. Because they're, never looking, they're not looking for the truth. They're studying it from, as a subject. You're not going to get hidayah like that. Hidayah will come and say, Ya Allah, I'm looking for the truth. And so when you present yourself like that to Allah Azza wa it takes one second, not even more than five questions. These amount of questions are sufficient. Okay, we ended that discussion. I went to go to back to the, my program. There's another program. And he left with his friend. Five minutes into the program, subhanAllah, the, the youngster comes back. And he comes, I said, Gee, bro, what's wrong? What's going on? He said, I want to take the shahada. I want to take the shahada. So we give the mic and he took the shahada. Ethan, brother Ethan, may Allah keep him strong and grant him the hidayah to, to, to study ilm as well and, and keep, you know, make him a means of hidayah. So the person, who, the brother who, who made effort on him, he broke down, he had an emotional breakdown, you know, crying so much because it was such an amazing turnaround. He's been working at him for so long and to just see. And I was thinking how Allah subhanahu had been so kind upon me that I just came to town for a few hours and Allah Azza wa wrote the shahada in my name without making me making the effort. And alhamdulillah, he attributed it to that Q&A session that lasted for 15 minutes or 10 minutes. That I was able to get those questions that were bothering me answered. On the other hand, in my travels, I came across an in, another individual who uh, a person told me that, oh subhanAllah, you know, he is very, uh, he, is, he, he knows so much about the deen. I've been working on him for so many years. Can you please talk to him? I said, sure. So this individual, I spent with him a half an hour, 20 minutes, just, just listening, not giving him da'wah. I said, let me, because he knows too much about Islam. So he recited to me the entire Surah Fatiha. He knows in and out about He spent time in the masjids. He even prayed wudu. He did wudu, prayed salah. He's, he, you know, he's eaten all your, from falafel to biryani to everything else in between. Right? All, all you name it. But within 15, t- 10 minutes, 
I realized, okay, let me just keep on drinking my water bottle and make dua, you know? It's not going anywhere. Why is that? Because no sign of seeking the truth. What was it? It was the words he was using is that I'm excited to learn about new cultures. I enjoy eating different foods. I enjoy, you know, visiting different places. But this is not about enjoyment. Are you, are you learning the truth or not? This, this is, this is, that's the reason why he's not been guided. Because the niya is not there. The niya is exploration. Kabi this, kabi that. Put your foot here one day, put your foot there one day. One day eat this, one day eat that. One day go into this mosque, one day go into that. How, if you're not searching for the truth, you're not going to get it. And that was very obvious in his words that he was using. That he's doing it for the experience. So what do, what, what, why did I share this? Is that may Allah also guide him. And may Allah put it in his heart to start focusing on the truth instead of just experiencing things. That if we want to look for the truth and you ask Allah, allow me to see, show me the signs, you'll see it. Yadrakna. I've had people who are, who are leaving the fold of Islam or on the verge of leaving the fold of Islam or even disbelievers. But what should, give me some advice. And you, many of you have got non-Muslim friends maybe or you've got people. Tell them, listen man, just every single day ask God. You don't want to, you, you feel allergic, say Allah, say ask God, whatever. Ask the supreme being that guide me to the truth. Show me signs and guide me to the truth. I don't want to be misled. I want to be on the right path. I don't want to be misled. I don't want to burn in hell forever. But I'm so confused. And inshallah, if you are sincere, if you have ikhlas, Allah will not let you down. And Allah will not let that person down. So this, this piece of advice will help people who are going through difficulty right now, is that keep on sincerely making dua. Some people have told me, oh, I, I'm not sure if I believe in Allah. I said, khalas man, don't even, just, 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 I don't pray. Don't worry whether you pray or not pray, just do this what I'm telling you. Before you go to bed, or you get up in the morning, say, oh Almighty, guide me to the truth. I don't, I cannot handle getting burnt on the stove or holding on a hot spoon. How can I be, how can I handle your wrath or, or burning in hell? If it exists. Okay, I don't even know if it exists or not. But what if it does exist? Then, how am I going to handle that? So just ask the Almighty to guide you to the truth. And if you are sincere in this plea, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide that individual. So they fell into sujood. What was I telling you? Whatever expertise you have, look for that in the Quran and Sunnah. And see what does the Quran and Sunnah speak about. And inshallah, that might increase you in your strength of deen. I've shared with you that there was an astrophysicist, very smart brother, who, attend, who attended one khutbah and afterwards, who was actually from Bangladesh. And subhanAllah, he told me, I'm a new convert. I said, Whoa, I didn't know they have you know, non-Muslims that many in Bangladesh. And so he said, no, I'm actually, I was an uh, atheist or you know, secular, basically. Secular person, raised my whole life as you know, Muslim country, but not really believing in it. And then, what, what, it, what guided me to Islam was a verse of the Quran. I said, which one was that? I mentioned the ayah of Surah Dhariyat. Where Allah as well says, and indeed the heavens we've created it with hands, meaning with strength, with power. That's the metaphorical meaning there. And we are continuously expanding it. He said, this concept of the expansion of the universe at most is 500 years old. And so, no uh, book, no uh, you know, science, no, no part of the world. Uh, was discussing, no scientists, no group of scientists have been discussing this as aspect of the expansion of the, of the world uh, until 500 years ago. How can a book and a scripture speak about this 1500 years ago? That's it. He said, that, that's it. That led me to Islam. So now I've read over this ayah so many times. I led it in namaz here, salah, so many times. But it didn't give me that effect that it gave him. You see what I'm saying? Until he brought it up to my notice, I was like, to my attention, I was like, wow. 
So this is what I'm trying to tell you, is that whatever field you're in, find verses of the Qur'an and Sunnah that deal with that, and it might help you even increase you in your deen. Right? Just like the magicians, that's what, this is what their expertise was. But then when they saw something that, it was, that they knew was not magic, خلاص, they accepted Islam. Musa. We believe in the Lord of, of Harun and Musa. Why did they say this? Meaning, we are believe in, we not only believe in Allah, we believe in Musa salam and Harun salam as prophets. We believe in both of them as prophets. So we will inshallah uh, continue. Beautiful section here still. Um, uh, but we want to have some Q&A. And, um, and, and then also do some dhikr before we, before we end, inshallah. So here, uh, you can just go to slido.com and insert the code 1244782 to a text message anonymously, any questions that you have. Or you can scan the QR code as well. As we are getting that taken care of, I want to uh, remind all of us here, inshallah, who are attending the tafsir, alhamdulillah, there's a lot of new faces and a lot of old faces are gone and new faces are here. So all the, all the returning faces, please try to bring back your old friends. You know, we're back, alhamdulillah, and the new faces, you stay consistent. MashaAllah, I know we were, we were on break for a few weeks, but that doesn't mean uh, we've completely fall off. Alhamdulillah, let's try our best to uh, come with others as well uh, and invite as many people as we can. Yes, we can listen online, but it's not the same thing as sitting in the gathering of angels. So Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, why is Alqi Asak used? Um, uh, so Allah Azza wa Jal uses the, the, same, the same story has been mentioned in many different places in the Quran with slight variations. And all of them are, are those variations are there for a specific purpose. So those places where Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned Alqi Asaka, throw your staff, it's because to explain what that's exactly what he had in his hand at the moment. And Alqi Mafiyaminika was to explain that what it has a potential. It has a potential to be whatever it is. For example, what it turned into, three words have been used. Some places have been used as Thu'ban. Other places have been used Hayya. And there's, a, there's another uh, word that's been, has, has been used as well for that. So Thu'ban is huge snake. Okay? A massive one. Um, and the, uh, so, so it looked like a massive snake But it was moving and slithering At the speed of a small snake So multiple words have been used To describe the same thing No, you don't have to do sajda On the ayah that we just covered uh, Continuously falling into sin What's the advice? Um, you know, we have to recognize what the sin is you, you have to speak about exactly What the issue is to figure out Are we, is it because Then we can figure out is it because of the environment? Is it because of a specific friend? Is it because of our sleeping habit? Is it because of our eating habits? Specifically, what type of sin it is? Is it because we have low self-control? Uh, then you can adjust those. So you have to be very focused on what issue, sin you're speaking about. Additionally, the more we sit in spiritually uplifting gatherings, the stronger we're going to get. Be punctual on our dhikr. Try to stay in the state of wudu as much as possible. Try to stay in the state of wudu as much as possible, all the time, even before going to bed. Perform quick wudu if you, if you need to, but perform wudu and sleep. And try your best to stay in the state of dhikr, even la ilaha illallah, Allahu Allah. These are things that will keep us focused. A person should, can I shave my beard to grow it better? MashaAllah, that's a good question. You want to make your beard presentable, use your oil, beard oil, comb, things of that sort. 
but tr you know trimming those a few places here and there might be acceptable but shaving it should not be done to make it look better if a person says wallahi i won't commit a sin and there's more motivation to to not commit a sin and then he ends up uh, committing it what will happen right so in this case uh, you know this is this is this is obviously um, a sin that he has done um, you know so uh, we should try our best to be um, careful on, 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 on utilizing these um, words many family folks visit <laughs> Maulana's how do we know which ones are sahir la ilaha illallah I don't know what Maulana's you're using here um, so why, why you know I, basically I, hopefully this is a misuse of the word uh, um, uh, a scholar in Maulana Maulana means our master meaning the ones who guides us to the truth right uh, uh, and, and Mawla is also used for Allah Azawajal as our master in that sense too so you need to, if you're talking about going to as they say Babas or random people out there who do uh, different things how do you know if they're a Sahar yes you're right you have to be very careful Mo focus on ask the scholars is this person legitimate or not number two they have to see do they follow the Sharia or not are they following Sunnah or not anyone who doesn't follow Sunnah anyone who doesn't follow the Sharia they're no good no matter whatever people say right that's, that's sometimes what happens you say but they're effective who makes them effective shaitan makes them effective you understand that so if they're not following sunnah and they're effective you gotta stay away from them uh, uh, living in a uh, living in amongst non-muslim high school students how do I maintain my faith this is a very good question again you're gonna it's, it's not easy that's why you have to be smart it's like I'm living, I'm, I'm, I, when I go down into the ocean, I can't breathe, what should I do? There's two things to do. If, you're gonna, if you have to go down, you have to have an oxygen tank, an oxygen, you know, this, this scuba diving gear. Otherwise, don't go down. Simple as that. So if you're going to go in an environment that is not conducive to remaining a Muslim, you, either, you have to choose, you have to be smart. Can I handle this or I cannot? If I can handle it, how am I going to handle it? Equip myself. Do I have knowledge? Do I have ilm and dhikr in my life? Do I have good friends? Am I punctual in my salah? Do I have a spiritual light within my heart that will be able to distinguish right from wrong? If I don't, I better get it before going in. And until I don't have it, I gotta stay away from it. And I gotta study at home. Do homeschooling or whatever the case may be. This is something, I, I, I'm telling the truth. People don't think about it. I have to, who told you you have to go to high school? You have to save your iman. Is that an answer that you can give in the grave? That I went, or as parents tell me, that oh, I had to send, send my child to a public school. And I couldn't keep him at home and educate him. That's why he lost his iman and lost his haya and lost his everything else. Is that an answer that's going to work? I don't think so. And you know it's not going to work. So my idea is, as students and college students, high school students, prepare yourself. That's why we have the deen intensive. We have the Arabic intensive. We have the one year program. We have these retreats. We have the divine reality. Uh, mashallah. First time coming to Chicago. Divine reality workshop happening next weekend next weekend here every one of you should be here every one of you should bring every single high school and college going boy and girl to this program Friday night Saturday and Sunday this is a game changer this is seriously something which I'm telling you with, with yaqeen that this inshallah will be a life changing experience and it will be a, a very strong protective thing for our sons and daughters who are going to school because it will address the topics that in the modern world our boys and girls are being uh, uh, you know uh, what you call attacked with and are getting confused about Could you differentiate between a true magician and an illusionist? 
um, from an outside, you, you have to know what's happening probably to be able to differentiate. Allah knows best. I wouldn't, I don't know if I could say, I don't so, I'd say that, you know, I can't tell if they're using jinns or not uh, because you're not going to be able to see that on average, unless someone is into that field. So is it, a, is it like whatever's happening on TV or Netflix or whatever, YouTube, are they magicians or illusionists? I would presume most of them are illusionists, but you definitely do have some magicians out there as well who are using sihr. Like for example, disappearing of a of a whole Statue of Liberty or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you could use you could use jinns for this type of things. It's not very hard to do that. It's, you know, to do these type of things, make things disappear, make things get covered with that and with with certain things. This is very easy. So people could be illusionists. People could be magicians. Okay, inshallah, I'm stop here. <coughs> there is a book in the bookstore uh, downstairs. And if you, any of you would like to go to the bookstore after, you know, you can meet one of us here, one of the volunteers. But there's many amazing books in the bookstore. I would definitely recommend you all to go visit. But one of them is, de is on, the, on a specific book that's been newly, uh, newly published on, on uh, uh, jah Jahar al-Dhikr, on doing dhikr out loud. And is through the proofs of Quran and Sunnah on it. It's a very great book. It's only 30 pages long. So I would definitely recommend people to get a copy of it. <coughs> La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم 
Astaghfirullah <laughs> اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نسي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد لم يكن له كوف ولا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا ان نكون من الخاسرين اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امننا وثبت اقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا اغفر لنا ولاخواننا الذين سبقونا بالايمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين امنوا ربنا انك رؤوف رحيم رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اذهب الباس رب الناس لا شفاء الا شفاء شفاء لا يغادر سقما اللهم اغفر لنا وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الاحياء منهم والاموات انك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين